All right. Good morning to everybody. I hope you had a great week. I would say it's good to see you again, but someone pointed out last week that I can't see you, um, but I'm with you here in spirit. So thanks, Carrie, for keeping me honest. Uh, as you guys probably know by now, the stay-at-home order has been extended until May the 15th. Um, and when it is lifted, if it's lifted at that time, we're going to be in what they're calling phase one. Um, and we're trying to kind of, you know, get some semblance of what's normal. Um, I've been listening to several webcasts last week, and I got at least one scheduled for next week on recommendations for the church on how we um, are able to get back to meeting. Um, what we do know right now is that in phase one, um, the few details that we have is that one of them is that um, we'll only be able to do 25% of the building occupancy. Um, so, uh, and that's total head count, head count not just uh, adults, that's everyone. So. Uh, that'll make things quite difficult, if not impossible. Um, no decisions have been made yet, but I want you to understand that uh, while meeting together is a priority for us, our, our top priority right now is keeping everybody safe. And so we're praying uh, and meeting and thinking about when and how um, we're going to be able to do that. So as we kind of develop, um, as thoughts get shared and as we make some decisions, we certainly will be communicating with you guys uh, as we have more information. Um, I do want to let you know um, or ask you to be praying for the McManus family. Uh, Mickey's husband, Gene, is very sick right now. They've tested him for COVID-19. Um, as of Saturday afternoon, we have not got those results back, but um, he's been self-isolated in their home. He's in a back bedroom that has its own bathroom, um, and he's just not feeling good at all. He's having just a lot of issues. He has been tested positive for pneumonia, which uh, if he does have, have COVID, it's going to make it much worse. So uh, just pray for a healing for that family. Uh, Mickey's also uh, had an infusion this week. And so um, right now it's going, it's going pretty well. It's a lot better than it has been in the past, but just continue to pray for their family. Um, as you may have read online, Carly Norman is on the mend, but uh, still not 100%. So just continue to pray for her and her family um, as they are coming out of, of the sickness that she's had. So uh, we're fixing to dive in. Last week we looked at uh, the beginning of Ecclesiastes chapter 3. And so this week uh, we're going to pick up where we left off. We talked about last week about the fact that um, there is an appointed and a suitable time for everything, right? Uh, and because God is sovereign over, over our lives, we can um, have hope knowing that he's in control. And that as we submit to him, we gain perspective that's bigger than the one we could have on our own. And we're going to kind of continue those ideas today as we dig into this next section. Uh, and we're going to see that even though things don't always make sense to us, God is in control and we can lean on him. And when we do that, we're going to discover that his works are eternal and that they're going to, they're what's going to bring us satisfaction and joy and hope. So today we're going to start off by uh, reading verses 9 through 15. So as you flip there, you get the app open. I just, again, want to say um, how incredible it is that God has us in this study right now. Um, our word today is is you know, very applicable to what's going on. And we'll see that as we kind of dig through it. But I'm just so thankful that um, that God has us in this study right now. Okay. And so my hope and my prayer is that we go through this word today, that your mind will be on yourself, but also um, how we can apply this word to our lives. And then uh, as a result, that will be shared with other people. So let's jump in. We're going to start in verse nine. Okay. It says this, what gain has the worker from his toil? I have seen the business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. I perceive that there is nothing better for them than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live. 
also that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his toil. This is God's gift to man. I perceive that whatever God does endures forever. Nothing can be added to it, nor anything taken from it. God has done it so that people will fear before him. That which is already has been. That which is to be already has been. And God seeks what has been driven away. So in our passage today, we see that the preacher begins this section by asking uh, the same question that he asked in the last chapter. If we flip back to Ecclesiastes 2, verse 22, he asks the same thing. He said, what has a man from all the toil and striving of the heart with which he toils beneath the sun? We studied that uh, three or four weeks ago, and he's pointing again back, or pointing back again to the garden, and specifically to when God told Adam and Eve that they would not only have to work for their food, but that it would be incredibly difficult. So let's look back at that again. That's Genesis three seventeen through nineteen. God said this. He said, "And to Adam he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it." Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat of the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread, until you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. He isn't the, the preacher isn't asking this question to begin because he still doesn't know the answer. He's using the truth that God has already revealed to him to show how God works in our lives. So point number one I want to make today is that we need to make application of the truth that God reveals. Now that's not new information. It's something we talk about all the time, but we see that in our passage. So what the preacher is doing here is he is making a confession of faith. He's realized that he cannot accomplish anything that lasts, but because of what he's experienced, he trusts that God can do things that last, things that are eternal. He says in verse 10 that he has seen the results of God's judgment on the human race. And that word seen is important there. He's pointing back to what we discussed in the first chapter in Ecclesiastes 1.13. He says, And I applied my heart to seek and to search out wisdom, uh, by wisdom, all that is done under heaven. It is an unhappy business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. We are seeing the application of what the teacher has been learning. He found through seeking that the problem uh, the problem, and now he's sharing the answer to that problem that he's discovered. And he's communicating something that we talk about often, and we're going to get to see an awesome example of this idea. He has experienced the result of the judgment that God placed on Adam and Eve by seeking God for an answer to why we toil endlessly. The preacher has worked to gain wisdom and enjoyment and found that all is temporary. In that search, God has revealed to him that our toil is like vapor. I know you remember us talking about that. And I want to remind you that this section is not about what man does. We talked about this last week, that as we move into chapter 3, we're looking at what God does, right? And so the preacher brings us back to that point to remind, of us, remind us of that in verse 11. He says, um, he has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. In this statement, we see the shift in the preacher's perspective. God's revealed to him that, and he's begun to understand what we talked about a few weeks ago, that our work is not the end, but the means by which we come to know God. We have to allow God to change our perspective 
um, so that we can that when we go through life we can understand that that this life is not the end right those life experiences that we go through are about uh, not about the things that are happening to us but rather about God revealing his purposes to us he now sees that even though we toil endlessly it is not without purpose our work that we do on our own is soiled and empty but but God's work is beautiful and it's everlasting and there's a clear distinction here that he makes between the two we're not the ones that make things beautiful but God as he works in us and through us for his purposes so point number two that I want to make today is that we will never be satisfied with what we can accomplish in our power God has put eternity in our hearts, and because of the temporary nature of things here on earth, those things are never satisfying. What we seek and long after are things that last, things that will live beyond us, and we, we saw the teacher lamenting about that in the previous chapters. And often we experience frustration in our lives and heartbreak because the things that we want don't seem to work out, right? The things that we've worked and we've longed for don't come to fruition. However, that doesn't mean that those experiences, that those things that we go through are pointless because we're not God, right? We, we cannot understand or know all that he's doing. I, I'm pointing back today to, to some passages that maybe you're familiar with, but Job is a great example of this. Job's life did not add up, right? In, in chapter 5, verse 9, he says, Who does great things and unsearchable, marvelous things without number? Of course, he's talking about God. In Romans 11, chapter, uh, chapter 11, verse 33, Paul says, Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. Look, not being able to see beyond our own timeline um, limits our knowledge and understanding about what God's doing. And look, this is a huge blessing for us because we can't know unless he tells us. And you may think, well, why is that a blessing? Why would it be a blessing that I can't know unless he tells me? It's a blessing because, as a good friend of mine says often, success is obedience, right? It's not about the result of the work. It's about did we obey or did we not? If we obey what God's telling us, then we've accomplished what he's asked for. Okay, and that's what I mean by this as a blessing is we don't we don't have to or we're not responsible for trying to explain why things worked out the way they did. Take a minute and think about that. You know, the things that we go through, whether they're they're good or whether they're hard, a lot of times we the first thing that we try to do is figure out why. We try to answer that question of why did this happen to me, whether it was good or whether it was bad. We want to know the why. And often we can't know those things because they're beyond our perspective. So rather than us having to stress and waste our time and energy trying to figure it out, we can simply ask God. That's why it's a blessing, because the burden of, of proof or the burden of explanation, is, it's not on us. It's on God. Okay, and, and just as a side note, when we ask God to give us that perspective, when we ask God what's going on, we have to be okay with whatever answer he gives us, or sometimes it's just silence because we're not ready. Okay, In previous chapters, the preacher talked about how our work is like vapor. And he's showing us that God's work is not like vapor. That God is not only able to gather the wind, but also he can control it. And that means that no matter how out of control our lives seem, God has promised that he's able to make all of that beautiful. 
one of the commentaries I read this week, and I've quoted them a few times already, it says, the point is that God does not intend to have a plan. Excuse me. The point is that God does not. In, <laughs> I'm going to start over. The point is that God does indeed have a plan and that everything he has done is in keeping with that plan. That means that everything, birth and death, war and peace, no matter what it is, somehow it fits in God's plan. Can we take a moment and just let that really sink into our hearts? You know, whatever's been weighing you down recently, just take a moment, think about this, pause the video if you need to, need to, and just give that thing to God. And in faith, confess that you believe that He is in control. And even though you can't see it, you believe that He is going to make it beautiful, that it won't count for nothing. The next point I want to make for today is that our experiences and faith allow us to live in the moment and know what is good. Experiences and faith are two vastly different things, but in order for us to know God and experience what He has for us, we need both of those. He goes on to say in verses 12 and 13 of Ecclesiastes chapter 3, I perceive that there is nothing better for them than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live. Also that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his toil. This is God's gift to man. You know, the teacher has gained a knowledge, and, and now he knows these things. And I wrote that all in capital letters in my notes because it reminds me of that word gnosko that we've talked about so much, to know by experience. The word that's used here in that, if you look in your scripture, it's going to say or be translated as perceived, okay? And it's a really important word. I mean, think about what it means to perceive. When we perceive something, we see it, and as a result of seeing it, we understand it. What the preacher is, is seeing isn't from a distance. It's what he's living in, in the moment. God has given him a revelation of what's happening. He's learning these truths as he is experiencing God's work in his life. He sees it because he put himself in a position to be in the middle of God's activity. Remember, he has, he has made it his life's work. The preacher made it his life's work to gain wisdom and is seeking to understand God's uh, direction. And look, there's a huge lesson for us in that. Like if you're struggling with something in your life right now, is a great example of that with the fact that we're quarantined, we're not able to be around people, or maybe you're not able to work. If you're struggling with what's going on, going on in your life, you have to ask yourself, have you put your, yourself in a position that you can see what God is doing like the teacher has here? Look, we need, you need proper perspective. And as we've already discussed, only God can give you the eternal perspective that your heart longs for. The only way we can understand what's going on in our life is by stepping back and taking a moment and saying, Hey God, I don't understand what's happening right here. Can you show me what you're doing? And then the second part of this idea that we're talking about is faith. And we can't talk about faith at least for me, without looking at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. It says, and I, I like the NLT version of this, it says, Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things that we cannot see. Look, faith is confidence in the fact that God will do what He says, even if we can't see it, right? Faith is built on trust, but that trust is cultivated by our experiences with God. It allows us to step beyond what we know 
by experience and into what we don't know because we trust him, right? If we're living in the past, consumed by something that happened there, we're going to miss what God is doing today, right now. And, and the inverse of that is true as well. If we're looking to the future at some event, some promise, or something that we just believe that we're going to have happen to us or for us, and we focus all our energy on hoping for that day to arrive, we're going to miss out, again, on what God is doing right now. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't dream. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't long for things that God promises, but all of our focus and all of our energy shouldn't be on that alone. A lot of times we miss what God is doing right here, right now, because we're so focused on what happened in the past or what may happen in the future. And both of those strategies, both of those things are our attempts to do an eternal work that only God can do. Right. And and living in quarantine is a great example of that. You know, if we're spending all our time focusing and thinking about the way things used to be and longing for that, we're going to miss what God is doing right now. And if all we're thinking about and longing for is what's going to happen in the next coming weeks or months and all our focus and energy is on that alone, again, we're going to miss what God is doing right now. It's important for us to understand that our desire to know these things is placed in us by God. It's not wrong or, or sinful to want to know what's going on in our lives. But it is sinful for us to try to take control, right? If we are, try to arrange the events in our lives in a way that makes sense to us with the information that we have, that's always going to lead to frustration and in an incorrect or uh, uh, um, an uncertain resolution, right? It's not always going to be the full picture because we don't have all the details. We don't have all the information. God does. He's the only one who knows all those things. So rather than us seeking out those things on our own, we need to ask God to reveal his work to us. The teacher tells us that he knows that the best thing for us is to be joyful and to do good. And he knows those things because he's been seeking God. This is not an instruction for us to just put on a brave smile and to work hard for God. I wanted to make a point to say that today because when we read that, the, the best thing for us is to be joyful and to do good, it's easy for us to slip back into a works mentality. In fact, what he's saying is the opposite of that. These instructions, or these are instructions to live in the moment and to walk in obedience to what God is telling you today, right? Not to, not to wait for something that's to come in the future, but today to walk in obedience, to live in the moment. And that doesn't mean that your circumstances are going to change, but by allowing God to work in you, the way you see those circumstances will change. That will lead you to joy. And because you're doing what God has instructed, you are doing an eternal godly work with God. And so you see how that's changed things. Instead of us just trying to accomplish something on our own, we work with God as he leads. And the result of our work is something much bigger than us. The preacher also says that we should eat and drink and take pleasure in our work. And that that is a gift from God. And once again, we see the preacher pointing us back to the garden. He's reminding us of why we're created. We were created um, as, as part of all that God created. And, and God created us because he loves us and he gave us great things to eat and to drink. And he made the act of eating and drinking like pleasurable for us. He, he made it something that we desire to do. And it wasn't just utilitarian. You know, an example I think of that is 
Um, you know, I used to live in the CrossFit world a little bit uh, for a short period of my life, and there were a lot of people for them, like food was just simply fuel, and they would show me these things that they're eating, and I'm like, that's a dry chicken breast. That's not good. Like, there's so many things you could do to that to make it good, but, but their perspective was different from mine, right? And I'm not saying that CrossFit's wrong or eating healthy is wrong or any of those things. I'm saying that that desire for good food is something that God has put in us. Therefore, we need to to accept this good gift from God and, and take the time to enjoy those things with one another and with God. And as we do those things in communion with God and with one another, we experience what God has always wanted for us. God's desire has always been for us to know Him, to be in relationship with Him. And by enjoying God's gifts as He's intended, our understanding of the world that we live in will widen just like it did for the preacher, just like we see happening in his life through this passage. We will again, by experience, gain an understanding just like the preacher did. And then I want to make this point today that God's work satisfied the longings of our heart. You may have noticed in verses 12 and 13 that there's this element added to the purpose of man that wasn't there when we looked at this same idea in chapter 2. In verse 12, the preacher adds an element of, of um, morality to that which is a gift from God. However, because of sin, we're not able to do good things, right? He says that this is good for man to do good things, to be joyful and to, to do good. He's pointing us back to God by revealing that the thing that's going to make us happy, the thing that's going to bring satisfaction is not found in us. Because of sin, we're not able to do anything that is good. We may try, but sin always present, prevents any of our attempts from reaching that mark of perfection, of, of goodness. The teacher recognizes both the need that we have for joy and our inability to get there on our own. He's learned that only God can bring satisfaction. Look at verses 14 and 15 with me. He says, I perceive that whatever God does endures forever. Nothing can be added to it, nor anything taken from it. God has done it so that people fear before Him. That which is already has been, that which is to be already has been, and God seeks what has been driven away. Again, we see that word perceived, and we understand that He knows this by experience, that what God does is good and lasting. What we try to do on our own is not good and it's not lasting. Another quote from that, that commentary I've been reading this week says, from a human point of, view, point of view, things are lost. Time is lost. People are lost. Opportunity is lost. Jobs are lost. Wives are lost. Husbands are lost. All of these things are chased away and lost in the past, unrecoverable for us. However, what, what God does is good, and it lasts forever. If we try to chase those things, we're going to lose them, okay? But when God does it, it's good, and it lasts forever. And that's good news for us because it frees us up from trying to attain Godhood. And this is good news because we were never intended to try to take on the responsibilities of God. It was true for Adam and Eve in the garden, and it's true for us as well. When we try to accomplish things on our own and take control, we're trying to take God's place in our own lives. And this isn't fair to us, and it's not fair to the people in our lives. And we're setting ourselves up for failure. When Adam and Eve chose to separate themselves from God by disobedience, they took the weight of a burden that was never intended for them. 
we have an advantage that the teacher didn't, which is Jesus, right? And we, we've kind of come back to this idea every week because how can we not? You know, removal from the garden in God's presence placed the burdens of the world on, on people's shoulders, on our shoulders. But God takes that burden from us and he places it on Jesus. It is only through our relationship with Jesus that we're able to experience true joy. Knowing Jesus by experience through obedience is the way in which we learn what it means to be truly satisfied. What we've learned as a church is that as we walk with Jesus, we are continually drawn back to the Father, right? We see that in the abiding cycle. We've talked about it so often that as we obey God and we, we discover Him by experience, we fall deeper in love with Him and we're able to worship Him in a, in a deeper way than ever before because we know Him right? We know him the way God intended for us to know him. And the last phrase in verse 15 that I want to kind of end on today says that God seeks what has been driven away. And the teacher's talking about us. We are driven from God's presence by the sin in our life, but because of Jesus, a way has been made for us to know God. Not only did God make a way for us to know him, but he seeks after us because you and I know God and have experienced His goodness, we have the opportunity to share this good news with this broken world that we live in. We get to point people to Jesus and help them to see that He has been pursuing Him, right? Not because they are good, but because He's good. And He loves them with a love that they cannot experience anywhere else in this world. We get to help them see that even though this world is broken by sin, God is still working we get to share with people what it means to really enjoy life, not because we figured it all out, but because we've learned how to sit at the feet of Jesus and say, God, look, my life doesn't make any sense. Please show me what you're doing. And then as God speaks, as God reveals himself, we get a greater glimpse. We get a wider perspective of what God is doing, not only in our life, but in the lives of the people around us. And even though we may not understand it, we, we have faith based on those past experiences that even if things don't look the way we expect them to look, we can know, we can trust that God is working and He's moving in our lives. Church, as we go forward this week, my hope and my prayer that is that you guys will, will learn what it means to know God by experience and that you will begin to build upon those experiences so that you can trust and have faith that when life looks crazy like it does right now, that we have the opportunity to go and sit at the feet of Jesus and say, God, give me your perspective on what's going on in my life. And it's through that that we're going to find joy, we're going to find peace, and we're going to find happiness in this broken world. And then we can share that with the people in our lives. Guys, I love you. I look forward to seeing you soon.